Hello, everybody. Today it is February 4, 2022, and this is the TradFi to DeFi community call happening every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, joined by some of our usual regulars, uh, John and Keith and Jonathan. And uh, today we're all feeling a little bit uh, bullish, I would say. Don't you agree, John? Seems like markets are up a little bit. Oh, ab absolutely. You know, and uh, what a what a what a little bit of a boost can change your outlook on things. And uh, I think we started talking about that a little bit before our calls started about, uh, you know, kind of counterintuitively trading as, as, as your emotions are, uh, are involved in trading. And, you know, when you're feeling like a rock star and you're like the smartest person on the planet because you did well, you know, that's usually the time to uh, take some profits. And when you feel like the biggest idiot in the world for getting in the wrong investment to, at the bottom of the market, that's the time to, to jump in. So yeah, it's uh, today's a good example of that. Yeah, Bitcoin's at $40,800. Ethereum is almost back to $3,000. It's 2967 uh, You know, just, you know, seven days ago, you know, last week we were talking about Wonderland and all the drama there. And, you know, I think all of us were feeling pretty bearish given that situation, but also, you know, just the market sentiment in general. But as we all know, you know, the assets are very volatile. The coins are volatile, uh, you know, and this is one of those areas that are, that are fascinating to study from a psych perspective. Uh, the point was made by Jonathan earlier where he, uh, he was saying how, you know, doctors often will, will care more for the health of their patients than sometimes of their own or their, or their children's or, you know, the story of the cobbler's children not having shoes. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the thing I struggle with, which is, you know, not taking profits when the markets are doing really well because I'm so bullish on the asset long term. So, um, yeah, I don't know what we wanted to talk to talk about today. I don't know, John, if you had any particular topics in mind, um, but I figured we could talk, touch on briefly the wormhole uh, stuff going on on Solana um, and anything else that other people have on their mind. Yeah, Tyler, just, just um, talking about money management, I would say if you felt really bad, you know, the last couple of weeks when Bitcoin was 32,000, but you didn't want to sell because you, you felt like you were selling in the hole that you needed to sell. As we get this pump, you know, just remember what it felt like. And I would say you should probably let some out, you know, pick your levels, whatever that, those levels are for you. For me, it's like 42, 43,000. I think, you know, we might have a hard time getting through there. Don't sell everything, but, you know, just take some off the table. So next time we go down, you're, you're not feeling bad where you can put some money to work. Yeah, yeah, dry powder. That's the thing that I, I find is one of the most, uh, you never have it when you need it, right? <laughs> you never have a bunch of stable coins sitting on the side ready to go uh, when there's these market corrections that you want to try and take advantage of. And so, yeah, my advice to most people is always, you know, make sure you have liquidity to, you know, pay for your expenses and, and live your life to where you don't have to be checking your MetaMask or your Zerion or whatever app you're using to measure your portfolio. You don't have to check it all the time, you know, because you know, crypto is fun, but you don't want it to totally consume your life, even though here I am, you know, on a podcast with <laughs> having consumed my entire being. So, yeah, I think your points are very well taken, Keith. So anyone want to talk about Wormhole? I was curious if uh, anybody here was affected by it. I personally was not. Uh, from what I understand at a very high level, and John, you did a really great job highlighting this in our uh, community Telegram group, uh, essentially... The bridge, the wormhole bridge between Solana and Ethereum, essentially, uh, you know, pegs a wrapped version of Ethereum onto Solana, and keeps a uh, the Ethereum natively on the Ethereum chain, 
uh, in a smart contract. And I guess there was an exploit in the actual smart contract, the bridge, that enabled people to spend wrapped ETH that was not properly backed by Ethereum on the main chain. Did I mostly get that right, John? Well, I, I, I looked into it a little bit more, and what actually happened was people were actually able to, uh, to mint wrapped ETH without actually having the ETH backing it. Ah. So they, and then they turned around and traded that wrapped ETH for actual ETH, the fake, fake uh, wrapped ETH for actual ETH, and then exit, exit stage right after that. So it's basically the same thing. They took advantage of, of a wrapped token on, on, a, on a bridge, you know, and it was, had some problems with the code and uh, a lot of, question, not questionable things, but, you know, regrettable things I think the developers did on that uh, by kind of letting that be known before they fixed it. So it was kind of, kind of a stupid move there. Well, it sounds to me like one thing that this taught all of us was the concept of how wrapped, um, wrapped assets, where they're held. You know, it sounds like it's held on, you know, on the bridge protocol's wallet. And so basically any, any um, programming that allows you to mint new wrapped coins is essentially, you know, the weakest link to get access to the actual assets on a set on a different blockchain so yeah it sounded like it was corrupt code on the solana blockchain um that allowed someone to mint wrapped ETH with no assets backing it but everyone else who had wrapped ETH and did have assets backing it it sounds like it, there's no like association it's just that you know everybody's sharing the same bag there's no like my specific ETH is linked to my specific wrapped ETH. So I, th I thought that was a really interesting point, um, how, how uh, um, everyone's really dependent on all the different protocols that could allow you to wrap ETH. It sort of, uh, the security affects everyone. That's yeah, a very I, good point. I still don't understand how, like exactly who would be affected because if you create the fake wrapped ETH, and then you swap it back into ETH. Are those people that are giving you the real ETH the ones that are going to lose the money? Someone has to lose money somewhere. Um, so I'm just, it's, it's kind of confusing to me who does. I what think it I would did, be, theoretically, those who would try to go and reverse the redemption process would be, there'd be a shortfall. I, I presume that's where it would. Yeah, they'd, uh, they'd run out of liquid, liquidity at some point. And yeah. then, you know, the slippage and, would be awful okay. and, then you'd, you know, then confidence in the whole chain would probably, you know, disintegrate at that Basically, point. Basically, that batch of ETH would be less. And as people um, took out their ETH for wrapped ETH going forward, eventually there wouldn't be enough ETH to cover the wrapped ETH. Right. So it would almost be like it could be like a run for the exits if they didn't get the money back. Literal yeah. run on the bank. Exactly. Yeah, run on the bank exactly. scenario. Yeah. In yeah. fact, jump capital just gave them a flush of cash. Uh, I think it happened yesterday. Jump Capital is like replacing all 325 million in stolen capital. And I'm pretty sure they backed Wormhole. Uh, I think yeah. they were investors they're, there. So, they're, well, they're the market maker. Jump Trading is yeah. the market maker uh, for, for the Wormhole, uh, for the bridge. So It's kind of like you, the Fed stepping in and uh, printing money. You know? 
Yeah, well, they, well they, they make money being the market makers, so they must have some agreement where they're, you know, on the hook if something happens, I guess. Hey, Dustin, welcome. Hey, Gary, welcome. Hey, guys, what's going on? We're vibing on a Friday, dude. We're all feeling better. Market's up. As we talk about more hijinks in the crypto market, the wormhole. Oh, yeah, yeah. I caught the tail end of that. It's, um, I mean, crypto definitely keeps us on our toes, right? If, if, if nothing, it allows us to learn more in depth actually how it works by trying to follow and, and see how these things happen. So, you know, it, unless you're directly affected, then, you know, or minimally affected, it, I think it's a great learning tool it just because uh, I have to every time something like this happens, I, I have to get smarter about it and learn how all these things work as opposed to, you know, assuming I know how they work. Yeah, I have no idea how wrapped the wrapped process worked till this. Um, but a $300 million lesson. It get expensive. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys also see that uh, Diem is like officially shutting down? I know we had talked about it when it was more of a rumor, but uh, about three days ago, it was confirmed that Silvergate, who was partnering with Diem to actually issue the Diem stablecoin, has confirmed that it was buying a ton of the assets from Diem. I don't know if it was a full acquisition or mostly just some of the crucial infrastructure, but uh, sounds like uh, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Facebook's Meta's Diem, formerly known as Libra, multiple brands changing. Uh, what do we all think of this? Uh, has anyone been following this at all? Well, I, I think I think it's really unfortunate timing for them, as as you know, they just reported their first first drop in subscribers to Facebook for the first time ever, and their their stock just nuked on it on that news as well. So. Yeah, things aren't they, things aren't happy in Meta slash Facebook land. I assume you all have seen his uh, Zuckerberg's uh, Metaverse presentation that he gave like a few months back, right? Has everybody seen that? I li I literally can't watch the guy, so no, I, I missed that. <laughs> I'm in a similar. I, I either. <laughs> yeah, I have a similar reaction. So of course, you've all seen a lot of the memes with it, but um, it, it's a very um, you know, the classic framing of Web 2 versus Web 3 metaverses. And I think a lot of people kind of assume that Zuckerberg is going to want to have a gated metaverse that requires you to, you know, have a Facebook-owned Oculus and, and be in the meta world that they control and not, you know, not have it decentralized and owned by the participants of it. But they've, they've since tried to backpedal that and say that they're opening to, open to incorporating crypto elements. But it's like on a string of all these failures, you know, with Diem especially, I just don't know how people can kind of look at this organization and think, yeah, they own Facebook and they own uh, Instagram and they're making their tentacles are everywhere. I really want them to also own where I live and work and play. You know, I just I don't know if a lot of people are buying that message from them. Well, if we think about when Facebook got really popular, none of none of that process was sort of a restrictive process. Um, and in my opinion, um, the only way you can really sort of have that many guardrails is if he literally starts buying internet cables, you know, international uh, physical infrastructure. Like, I just, I just don't see society going for something like that, more restrictive. Welcome to the call, Miguel. Hey, how's it going? Sorry. Just in a bad reception, so I'm just trying to sneak in and 
to see what you guys are talking about right now. Yeah, no worries, man. Is there a topic you want to talk about? We usually just kind of catch up on the previous week or talk about topics that people are interested and passionate about. If you have any ideas, feel free to throw them out. It's an open discussion. You saw, um, I was just going to mention about, about Facebook and Meta, that there was a, someone who was using the name Metaverse, and they, they stopped her from using it on their platform. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yes, their, their username was at Metaverse, right? And yeah, they had an yeah. Instagram account, I think it was. And then Zuck just jacked it. <laughs> yeah, they shut it down. So th there you go. That's like proof as centralized as you can get, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just funny that they think they're going to be decentralized. They're going to be in the decentralized metaverse. And that's the first thing they do. Yeah. Have you guys tried the, the VR headsets, the VR goggles? I've, I've tried it once and I, it was not like a really good example of it. It was like a, a low res resolution, you know, 3D environment. It wasn't super exciting. But I've seen these videos online of people interacting in these um, places, and they, they they look so hyper realistic. And people like just genuinely forget that they're not actually in the real world. Have any of you guys had that experience at all? I I've, I've used them before, um, and they're they are they're pretty pretty neat technology. And I and when you see these videos of people like you know get it. But that's exactly what it is. You get lost in the fact that you're not in reality. It, it pulls you in. It's n not that good at first, but your brain continually gets tricked into thinking it's real. And then and after you've been playing for a half hour or 45 minutes, it's like you're completely plugged into it. And you, that's when you see these reactions of people, you know. You know, jumping jumping through a window practically because they're it's so real. But uh, but this technology is pretty fascinating, I think. Uh, you know, and I, it only it's only going to get better. So, so how many of you guys have subscribed to the podcast yet? It's on my list of things to do this weekend. <laughs> All right, yeah. Get it. Let's let's try to get our five star ratings up. So um, we can maybe talk a little bit about some of our plans there. So uh, we usually are now going to start recording these calls, like this one's being recorded, and we'll add it to the podcast more as just like a bonus episode. It's not really like part of any structured topic. Um, our plans for the podcast are really just John and I covering high level just concepts in DeFi and crypto. Uh, nothing too deep diving or intense. And then over time, we're going to start opening it up to members of our community who have certain topics or ideas they want to to go into. So that way we can build up a library of content uh, and then ultimately start adding on even more experts to go over different uh, high-level topics. Um, and so we're in the process of getting some fun like intro music, outro music added to it and stuff. And we'll, we'll ask for the community's involvement to vote on a couple of options for that. And so um, some exciting stuff happening there uh, that we're looking forward to building with you guys. And really our favorite content is usually the, the more long-form conversations like these calls that we have on Fridays. So um you know as always it's the community that's that makes this as fun as it is so just uh, appreciate you all being a part of it and, and you know checking out the podcast so yeah your assignment when you guys have a chance it's on spotify and it is on uh apple podcasts if you just search tradfi to DeFi, give us a five-star rating if you if you if you think it's five-star content uh, and i promise you if it's not five-star content it'll get there um and then uh let's get our let's get our our views up and everything we're really excited to to be rolling that out so are you guys thinking about bringing in um, experts from outside the community? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We really just want to kind of get a library of content up. So that way it's, you know, we, we get our groove going and John and I get kind of feet under us. And yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of context we have in the industry that I'm sure we could pull in. And so 
Yeah, and and one of the things is 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 get that kind of subscriber view count up. Obviously, you know, you get somebody that uh, you know gets requests for 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 stuff like this all the time, and you know, and then they go, "Well, how many subscribers you have?" It's like five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we want to we want to get a little more foundation in there and, and start building an audience, so we have something to offer uh, folks that uh, that you know might be a little crushed for time and get a lot of requests like this, so we can make good use of their time. We've got a lot of very smart people in our Telegram group. Um, I, I get the impression that if you interviewed two people um, a week from our from our group you'd have more than two years worth of content that would be um pretty like valuable i, I think every person in this group i've talked to has some at least some pretty good niche um knowledge and wisdom within a certain uh, section of this space absolutely I, I completely agree i've been blown away by some of the uh minds that we've been able to attract into the group uh, many of which who are on this call right now. So, yeah, there's some pretty high caliber folks that we'd love to include. I did put a uh, a link in the voice chat, um, changing the subject a little bit, uh, because in in when we were talking about taking a little money off the table and putting it into stable coins, uh, obviously a really good idea at the top of the market, or or at least even when the market's gone up significantly. But I have in there, it's a, it's a website that basically lists all of the returns for stablecoin uh, farms and stablecoin uh, pools and the type of returns that they're getting. And uh, so that, that's a good, that's a good uh, you know, rule of thumb to kind of start searching to see who's, who's got the best rates. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you're taking money off of the, uh, you know, off of a bull market and putting it into a stablecoin farm where you're not exposed to any impairment loss and you're making 20%, you know, that's, that's a pretty good move. And that's an aggregator, right? Like it puts it all in one spot. So you can just look at the highest APYs. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can rack them and stack them, you know, it's, and, and one of the things, obviously it's a do your own research type of thing, but you know, some of these are teaser rates, you know, so they also have, you know, what was the rate seven days ago? So it's not just like, oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't even offer it seven days ago. They just, you know, you know, spun up some liquidity for these stable coins on a, you know, a platform you've never been on or something like that. But, you know, there's some pretty decent returns on some reputable spots that, uh, you know, you can, you can get, you know, of course, there's different varieties of stable coins, right? You can you can go with the centralized ones. You can go to algo coins like Frax. You can go with you know, UST, MIM. You know all these different types of uh, stable coins. You know, obviously, some are riskier than others, but uh, I think you know as we've seen in the past couple weeks of some some pretty dramatic moves in the market, and especially. You know, some of these stable coins are put under some pressure, and with while they may have lost peg for a little bit, they're they're back, or they gained it back relatively quickly. So they're all they all seem to be performing properly. So we'll see. John, this 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 is phenomenal. This website, this is great. I never saw this before. I mean, John is I a stable coin guru. Like no, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a farmer. 
Yeah, he's a I farmer. Didn't, farmer's I, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Like, wow, you can get on USDC at Uniswap in a protocol that has twenty three million locked up, twenty four percent now. Is that right? I, I'm taking a look at the chart uh, in a bit, but yeah, I, yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing, especially on Uniswap. Yeah, I know, and it was nine percent a week ago, and on Ethereum Uniswap as well. I don't know what, what's going on. It seems like there's been a huge move up in rates. Is this just a sell-off in, in crypto? Guess everybody's moving to, moving to stables is, uh, you know, and and maybe, I don't know. I really haven't looked at it that closely. Um, haven't had a need to. Well, it looks uh, like they'd be, they'd be moving away from stables because they're giving you more yield to put your money, to put money in stables there. Right. They're pretty. As we said, maybe maybe now that the market's coming back, people are 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 ready to to jump back in on the way up instead of you know guessing where the bottom is. I guess that's good. you know it's always a hard call there. You know, are we at the bottom? Is this a bounce? Is this uh, you know going to keep going? So yeah, it's it's a lot of activity for sure, a lot of volume, a lot of liquidity too. I'm on a Uniswap right now. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would keep, you know, any reasonable amount of money in a bank account. I mean, I, obviously there's FDIC insurance and, and I totally respect everybody who wants to have that sort of a guarantee. But, you know, it's just crazy how little the yield is there and how much the yield is here. It's just dollars on a blockchain unlock so much value that you can squeeze out of it. It's really exciting. Yeah. Don't you, you guys, guys sorry. Don't you guys no. feel like uh, the you know, this wormhole, uh, you know, hack, essentially, um, and also Wonderland, um, and just a number of these different DeFi issues, it, it sort of makes you question the stability. I, it'd be really interesting to know, um, sort of, on those different yields, which ones are a little more exposed to some of these risks. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly that's that's kind of the, the do your own research thing, a caveat I put on it, because, you know, you have to see how much liquidity they actually have on there. Because I actually uh, another guy, I'm trying to get him to to join our our group. He was in, uh, you know, when the whole Wonderland thing happened, he had a lot of memes sitting on Phantom, I think he had it sitting someplace that wasn't any of the. uh Tier one L1s, I guess you'd say. And uh, he panicked to get out of his MIM because he thought that was going to be affected and it was starting to lose peg. And he was on a he was on a uh, exchange that didn't have enough liquidity. And, you know, on a stable coin, he just got killed on slippage, just murdered. And he just <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. You know, you figure you're you're swapping stable coins or you're, you know, you're getting out of a stable coin. It's pretty good. But if there's, if the liquidity isn't there, you, you, you can get murdered, you know? And so, um, you know, before you put your life savings into stable coins, <laughs> there are instances where it, you have to be careful. Okay. So what's the funnest thing somebody did this week in crypto? And if, and if nobody has one, I'll go first, but uh, I want to open it up. I, di I didn't, I didn't panic. <laughs> yes you deserve a, a medal for that that is that is good so i did not either so what i did was i 
I'm farming orcs. That's my NFT uh, craze. You guys have heard me talk about orcs a lot. And essentially, uh, the game is called Ether Orcs. It's gamified rarity on the blockchain. So this week, I minted two ogres who have joined my orc horde. Um, and what's interesting about uh, the orcs right now is that they are uh, they have an ROI. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm going to post it right now in the chat, in the uh, voice chat. Uh, they have like an ROI of like a thousand percent. Actually, okay, it was a thousand percent yesterday, but it's like 581 percent ROI on an ogre. And so, what this means, like, let me just like bottom line it. So, I'm posting. What this coin are they giving it? They they generate zug. Well, they actually don't generate zug, but they generate. Uh, they have the ability to build a certain NFT that you can sell on OpenSea for like 0.02 ETH right now. So this particular, I posted the uh, ROI analytics. Um, it shows you there are three types of uh, three types of uh, NFTs, and they each can be staked in a contract that nets uh, Zug tokens if they're a certain type of NFT. The bottom line of this is that these tokens that they generate are required to participate in the game. And so uh, this game is like, they're minting the second of four different types of allies. So I think there's still a relatively decent entry point. If you were to buy uh, a, a shaman or an ogre, those are the two types of um, uh, NFTs that I would recommend looking into. But take a look at the link that I posted. You guys are always free to woke, uh, message me or DM me if you have questions about that particular NFT project, it's really exciting. Um, has anyone else done any really cool NFT stuff lately? I know, Keith, you said you've gone really deep into NFTs lately. Yeah, so I, I, I minted a couple of NFTs in a similar, but I think it's just starting. It's called Cyber Turtles. And so, um, again, you can stake your Cyber Turtles to earn, you know, the coin. The I think they call it Shell. You know, it's like Dollar Shell. It's their coin for their game. And I don't think the game's up and running. They, you know, it's, it's like brand new. Um, but it's, it is cool going down this rabbit hole, learning all this stuff. Um, how, is the, is the orcs game up and running yet? Oh, it's, it is. And it's so much fun, dude. So basically okay, so you actually play it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like something that you have to like sit there and manage a lot. What I like about it is it's somewhat passive. So you set your orcs actions. They can do one of like three or four things. They can train as in level up, or they can farm as in generate a certain type of token for you, which has a pretty stable value zug right now is about two bucks a zug uh zug token and then they can also battle or go into raids and they're launching a bunch of other features uh, and they're going to try to make some new entry points for newer members of the community who don't have orcs so i'd recommend at least joining the discord you know there's i don't get anything out of you guys joining them this is not like a show or anything but uh, i just think it's a really fun exciting project that has some historical value because it's the first 100 on-chain gamified uh, NFT project, like all the other projects have not been 100% on chain. This project, everything from the art to like the actual uh, games that you can play are all on the blockchain. Um, and they recently bridged to Polygon to make it so that there's like virtually no transaction fees, like like hundreds of a cent. So it's very exciting, really cool to be associated with Ethereum, but not like 100% on Ethereum and cost you a ton of gas fees. So can you buy it anywhere else besides OpenSea? Yeah, I'm sure you could buy some on Rarible, but the thing is, is like the supply right now is there's a huge supply shot going on because everybody is staking their orcs and NFTs in the, the smart contract. So the supply is really low 
Uh, so, you know, I don't really have like a good entry point price to tell you because I really don't know. Like floor orcs right now are two and a half ETH. Shamans are 1.3 and ogres are 1.75. Um, but yeah, if you, if you see a shaman near one ETH, that's like a killer deal. Um, 1.3 is pretty decent too, if you can get it. The shamans have some flexibility and stuff. So anyway, pretty cool project. On OpenSea, it would be Ether, Orcs, Genesis? Yes. And just be very careful about the links. I'll post, I'll actually post the real link just to make sure. Does anyone else have any other uh, alpha for this week? I heard a really interesting rumor that Facebook is considering buying Sandbox. Have any of you heard this rumor? I heard it. I haven't seen any evidence yet, but I've heard action, it from the, yeah. From the price action, it doesn't look like it's given anything. The it, day that I heard it, Sandbox was down as a, on a day when actually crypto was up. Oh, so so everyone's now shorting it because Facebook's considering buying it. Yeah, no, I don't know. That's or funny. it's just it's just a BS rumor that no one really believes. Yeah. My NFT plays have been both from other community members in this group. I, I'm invested in EcoCredit as well as Treat. And uh, for those two projects, I've actually been buying the dip this week because um, they're so cheap and so small. But definitely not aping it and just sort of buying the dip there. And yeah, two two projects that are very different, but... Yeah, my investments are NFT related. (laughs) Yeah, founder, we have multiple founders in our group, which is really exciting. And a lot of them are leading pretty exciting projects um, in that both of those cases. One of them is the chief marketing uh, director of of Treat and the other is actually one of the founders of EcoCredit. So uh, our our community is filled with big brained giga chads that are very happily sharing exciting opportunities with us. So I love to hear it. I just posted the uh, link, by the way. And I'll post another link for you, too. I just think it's nuts how I was trying to get some MIM off of the ETH chain, and I think it was 500 bucks, and I almost it almost cost me $100 just to try and move it. And then I'm, you know, one of these projects is on the Binance Smart Chain, and the other is on the Polygon um, network. And, uh, I mean, gas fees are ridiculously cheaper on both of those. It's... I'm, I really wonder what's going to go on with ETH in terms of uh, in terms of them figuring out how to handle gas fees with all the with these other chains being so much cheaper. Isn't that what version two is supposed to do? Somewhat. No, actually, the the two point or the merge is just basically moving to proof of stake that any capacity or throughput issues or you know stuff like that still to be addressed after that i think with data sharding but yeah there's there's no short term hey uh you know eth is going to be you know cheap you know single digit transaction fees i'd say probably at least for a year i don't see that happening which is unfortunate if you've got a lot of money on you know on the ETH chain, which, you know, I have <laughs> my two biggest bags on on there. So uh, they're, they kind of run on their own. So I don't have to interact much. I'm not, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to trade. So, um, but it's expensive. You know, when I try to pull my yield, it's, uh, you have to think twice.
Yeah, it's so sad when you go to claim, you know, your 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 staked liquidity position, and you're like paying the gas that's more than your yield when you're kind of a more small time farmer. It just doesn't feel like the future of finance. <laughs> yeah, I I I kind of finally set a rule as because I just got tired of waiting and tired of paying the gas and tired of you know getting up at three o'clock on Sunday morning to get some relatively cheap gas. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't, I don't claim any yield less than a thousand dollars. Cause it's just, you know, when, when 10% of your yield is eaten up by gas fee, that's just, that's too much. It's kind of crazy. Like every action you take, they're charging you for something. Like I was, you were talking about staking those orcs. So yeah, I staked those turtles. And when you stake, there's a fee, there's a gas fee. Um, and when you unstake the guy, there's a gas fee. <laughs> it's like I staked yeah. him and then, I, and then I decided, cause I had three of them, I wanted to sell one. So I had to unstake them and it was like 35 bucks. Just cause yeah, that's I, why they're doing it on L2 with Polygon and they solved that. But yeah, it, it, for the first little while when it wasn't on Polygon, I was really paying a lot of gas. It was a free mint when it launched, but like right. <laughs> I paid hundreds moving those works around. <laughs> yeah, and if you get into some even more complex yield farming contracts, that the gas fees just go up enormous. Because <laughs> some of them, I'm like, oh, so it's going to cost me four hundred dollars to claim. You know, uh, it's one contract I have because it's uh, part of the curve wars. So. I'm getting bribe money from all these different uh, protocols, but it doesn't amount to a lot. But when you claim that, you've got to like they don't have a contract where you claim it all at once. It's it's got to claim it individually. So you're getting nailed every time, you know. And you've got five coins you got paid in, so you just it's not worth it. It just isn't worth it until you get to like mega size, you know, which is which is unfortunate. I wanted to see what everybody thought. At least uh, I, I'm, I kind of follow the psychology and the way people that I follow react to, say, the last two or three weeks, and you know, been following people through bull markets, and now see how their mentality, their attitude, their aggressive behavior, <laughs> all sorts of stuff changes with the market, and they're fairly well-known people, and it's. Uh, it's kind of interesting because in a bear market and everybody's everybody has lost money, you know, at you know, in the past 30 days and it's not been happy uh, for most people. It's like it's like people turning on each other, you know, not and not just Wonderland. That's one story, you know, and uh, the wormhole. But it's like everybody's like, oh, OK, you know, because of Wonderland. OK. This person has never expressed the need to have doxed developers on projects, but now, you know, they're the white knight of the issue. And it's like, you know, you didn't say this three months ago when you were pumping this project. And now it's like, this becomes, you know, a, 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 you know, a litmus test, you know, and then it, then, then the next thing is, is like, well, all bridges are bad after wormhole, you know, it's like bridges are a terrible idea. Vitalik was right. This is all, 
this is all horrible. We should never do this. And it's like, I don't know if anybody, maybe not everybody is follows Twitter as closely as I do, but I just, I just see the change in mentality based on where the market is at the time. And it's kind of, you kind of figure out who's kind of real and who's just kind of not, I guess, over time. I, I completely agree. I've noticed that as well with a lot of people um, who normally like wouldn't, wouldn't pay attention to DeFi on the one hand. And then suddenly there's an exploit and, you know, they're not hearing the stories of all the, the ways that DeFi and crypto has enhanced the lives of many of its users. Um, of course, they're hearing that bad news, but I especially am bothered by the type that you just described, John, which is the kind of person who's pumping their bags when things are going well, and then immediately throws the baby out with the bathwater uh, as soon as the going gets rough and then says, uh, well, this one particular issue affected me negatively. And so I'm going to reason that all potential issues relating to this uh, and all infrastructure that could have led to something like this happening is therefore bad, rather than kind of patching the code and saying, let's get better in the future and make better, more anti-fragile systems. Right, because when when it came down to the, the, the wormhole issue, you know, when you dig into the details, it was just sloppy coding, sloppy development techniques, you know, bad communication, you know, I mean... Uh, it wasn't that bridges are bad. It's just somebody did it poorly and didn't execute in a professional manner. And, you know, that's that's what needs to be cleaned up. And I think if the market works efficiently, that will fix itself, uh, at least as far as, uh, you know, or, or at least the investor gets smarter and, and looks, you know, behind the curtain a little bit more, hopefully. Um, you know, but, you know, we, we've talked about regulation a lot and since the inception of this 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 call you know is is it seems like it comes up all the time and certainly there's there's room for it you know but as long as it's measured and it's not knee jerk i you know i i can i can agree with that i i think that um one thing to keep in mind in crypto is there's a tremendous bias towards uh, uh young minds uh, so there's a lot of influencers that got really popular really fast that may have not even had much of a traditional finance experience or even, um, you know, money management experience. I think all of us get seasoned when we go through, oh, shoot, I lost a bunch in 2008 in Wall Street. Or, you know, I, I just think we were probably seeing on stage a lot of uh, um, influencers and still very intelligent people who have not necessarily uh, seen things fall apart on them. <laughs> But I, in my opinion, any any uh, anyone who's evaluating systems or projects from a perspective of oh this happened therefore all are bad that that all or nothing mentality is usually sort of licking wounds as opposed to you know really good uh, you know measured assessment of next steps. I totally agree with that feeling about like these people you're getting on Twitter that. I mean, you, you, the scary thing is you don't even know who they are half the time, right? With this whole Anon phenomenon, and people are following them. It was great when everything was going up. And, you know, some of these people, like you said, might not have been through all market cycles. Um, you don't know who they are. You don't know what their educations are. You don't know anything about them for the most part. So just, you know, do your own research is, is, is the best saying, right? I think what I like most about this space is the idea that 
good ideas succeed and bad ideas fail. Uh, generally speaking, some of the failures have often been just clear um, attempts at getting wealthy without putting in a lot of technical work and stuff. Like back in the ICO craze, it was like just put up a landing page and put a couple of headshots on a website and then you can raise a couple million bucks and then rug everybody. Um, you know, nowadays you might see it in similar, like high APY projects. Again, not saying all of them are bad, but some of them maybe just use the high APY to justify people aping in. And then, uh, then there's these really cool and exciting blue chip projects that have been plugging away like curve and compound and Uniswap who are providing a really phenomenal service, uh, to the industry that are the base primitives that other apps are building on top of. And so I think we lose sight of some of those really boring vanilla protocols, right? Like <laughs> Compound and MakerDAO and others, because we're like, oh, well, this really new one, right? There's such a bias, like like you said, Jonathan and Keith, like there's these young minds of like, we have to be early because like, you know, younger people feel like they've been late to everything else, which is kind of funny because they're young and they're, they're early, right? They just by being alive, they have so much opportunity. But oftentimes somebody who's disenfranchised with the existing system just thinks, you know, it's not so much like I want to be in the best project. I just want to be early. And that's kind of what causes a lot of this kind of blow up, you know, not, a, not enough DYOR. Yeah, I've, I've kind of formulated and I guess I'd already known it, but I didn't actually haven't been able to put it into words because uh, and I had, by the way, I have nothing against technical analysis and charts. Uh, works for some people it doesn't work for me but and maybe Dustin can chime in but you know to me price is a lagging indicator the things that gone on to make that price have already happened uh, most most times and it's not a and people just look at coin price or 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 whatever it might be but as you peel back the onion especially in crypto well what what is making it go up what what are the driving forces behind that and you know what's pushing adoption and and things like that so it's it's caused me to be a little more focused on what are the things that create value with these tokens as opposed to fomo or something like that which a lot of it is driven by i mean you can see it in all sorts of assets you know whether it's you know dogecoin or something like that you know it gets on people's radar and they just you know they think it's the next Bitcoin. I'm going to make a million bucks. And, but uh, to me, yeah, price is, is kind of a lagging indicator and not a leading indicator because by the time the pr price hits a, a point of interest, it's, the opportunity is probably gone at that point. Um, but another thing, and I, I, I actually wrote this on another site, it's like, you know, do your own research is very important, but it, it, the important research you do is after you've purchased the token. <laughs> you know, you've convinced yourself it's a good buy, but after after you bought it, you have to keep up with it and find out, you know, because that's how you can figure out. And Dustin pointed this out with Wonderland. It's like the narrative shifted and and the focus of the, the entire protocol shifted. And that was the time if you were a narrative focused person was the time to get out, you know, and. And so these, I, these are all kind of, I guess, when it comes to, you know, Tyler, you said, what fun thing did you do in the past week? I'm just kind of looking over the past month and seeing how uh, I've tweaked my mentality to kind of hopefully become a better, better investor. Anybody else 
have any learnings from this bear market? Well, for me, I think I've, I've taken Wonderland, uh, uh, Wormel Bridge, and a few other uh, of these sort of instabilities, and, and I've sort of refocused on myself, which is there's so much money to be made just in, you know, getting greedy when things uh, really run up high. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, and selling some and then buying in when everyone's being fearful, there's so much more money to be made in just simple L1 investing than trying to push too far into the risk curve of, uh, of, uh, you know, investing too much or more than you should in fairly unproven DeFi protocols. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to you guys and, um, you know, I agree with what a lot of you guys are saying, especially being uh, greedy when others are fearful. Um, you know, then really at uh, this past this past bear market has just been. Uh, I thought like they always come at the worst time, <laughs> like where you know you're max, uh, you're like max long or something like that, and you know everyone's kind of on the same side. And so I think that's that's probably been my biggest takeaway is. And it's 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 the saying as old as time is when everyone's on the when everyone agrees that something's going to happen, then it doesn't. Um, I think that's important. And I really like uh, Farmer John, what you were talking about with uh, as the narrative shifts and, and how the need to stay on top of things. Um, personally, I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, about pseudo Ponzi schemes and and how a lot of these projects. Uh, how to de-risk these projects from almost a, a VC lens, right? You know, it's, and so I, I spoke to you guys before, you know, about DAOs, you know, I was like, look, I'm only putting a hundred bucks in. So it goes to the moon, like, great. You know, like whatever nominal amount you guys want to put in, whether it's 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, there's no way I'm putting in real money into these things. Um, Cause if they're going to work, they're going to work. Right. And I think, um, and I think with, with that same thought process, you know, um, I think taking profits when things are going to the moon and they seem like they're going to the moon, just bringing that register, it, it became extremely important. You know, as I've seen Wonderland, uh, you know, my little investment, it went up a lot and um, I didn't take any off. And the narrative was shifting as I was trying to understand it. By the time I understood the narrative was shifted, you know, you're already, you're already taking a, you know, 30% loss, something like that. And and so I just think that um, my biggest takeaway is, and, and as you were saying about the price, you know, it, it's always the, the price is the price. And I think with the one Wonderland token, just to eat my humble pie, is uh, getting caught in the narrative and, and falling kind of in love with a name, as I as I did with that one. I didn't take off as much as I should have. Um, you know, is any stock I see that falls 30, 50 percent or, you know, any in, in anything. I was like, oh, well, I'm out until they figure they figure out their stuff. And uh, Wonderland, it was like, oh, OK, well. All right, I'll take out, you know, I'll take out a little bit, but it wasn't nearly enough. And your your first trade is always your best trade. And my first trade was way too small. Um, and I think that's what I'm that's what I've been thinking a lot about. 
so much wisdom in there. I'd love to like have a, a list of all of your good phrases, Dustin. Ringing the register, first trade is your best trade. There's a lot of good wisdom there. Thanks, man. Well, it looks like we've almost ripped through the full hour here, which is uh, seems amazing that we were able to uh, keep these conversations uh, topical and on point uh, for that length of time. But uh, anybody else have anything else they want to throw out there or uh, any announcements, maybe a project they got involved in, job change, job prospect, uh, go for it. Yeah, everybody, thanks so much for joining the call today. As usual, this will be posted uh, in our uh, podcast, the community call section of the podcast. And uh, again, the action item for everybody is please go subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on Apple when you have a chance. We're also on Spotify. And I noticed on Spotify, you can add some interactive elements. So keep an eye on the podcast episodes. We'll occasionally put in interactions there. Keep an eye out as well as we will be slowly rolling out more episodes. And John and I will begin working our way through the community, talking to a few individuals who want to contribute. Um, and as always, you know, uh, TradFi to DeFi exists to help you guys on your journey from TradFi to DeFi. And we hope that you get value out of these conversations. Um, we're really, John and I enjoy working here with, with you guys and kind of finding ways to help each other out. So Please don't ever hesitate to reach out with any questions. Again, this community call happens every Friday at 3 p.m. EST. Uh, and John, I don't know if you have anything else to add, um, but we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, see you all next week. Thank you, guys.